Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipelines, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Time to look ahead to the playoffs a little bit, guys. We'll talk about who our picks are for what rookies are going to have a big impact on the postseason. We'll also look ahead to 2019, which teams could basically become the 2018 Braves and what they've done this season. Uh, we'll also look ahead to the draft. We're always excited to talk draft. We'll talk 2019 draft. And that brings us to our guest this week, who was a 2018 first-round draft pick, number 15 overall by the Texas Rangers, Cole Wynn, who was on this podcast back in May getting ready for the draft. Now, Cole, you have a professional summer under your belt, and you're getting ready tonight to be uh, to play in the Don Welke On Deck Classic in San Diego. So you're back in Southern California. Um, are you excited for this event tonight? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's, it's always exciting when you when you get a chance to be on the mound, especially at, at a place like Petco. It's going to be really fun. Now, did you, Cole? I you know I'm trying to remember back. Did you did you play at Petco for the Perfect Game All American Classic? No, I did not. You didn't. Okay, so uh, so yeah. this is your, is this your first experience playing in in, in that ballpark? And and what other you know, big league experiences, the you know, ballpark experience, have you had? Yeah, this will be the first time actually playing a game in Petco. Uh, I've been there before through a bullpen there, but um, other than that, I've played at Coors Field when I was back in Colorado. I've played at uh, the Twins um, Field for uh, USA Baseball, then um, Wrigley for the Under Armour game. So uh, I've had a little bit of experience at Major League Stadium, so this, but <laughs> there's not too many like Petco. It, it's really cool. Cole, how excited are you to, to, to get on the mound in, a, in an actual game? I mean, it's not a minor league game. It's an instruction league game. But I was talking to Rangers Farm Director Jace Tingler last week, and he said the organization was excited about seeing you take the mound, you know, seeing Mason Angler take the mound, seeing Owen White take the mound. I mean, all three guys were drafted very early in June, and they, kind of, I guess, kind of kept you guys under wraps. How excited are you to, to take the mound, and how I don't know if challenging is the right word, was it? Was it to kind of be kept on a, a tight leash during your first pro summer? Oh, it's, it's, it's going to be really exciting. I think all three of us are just really ready to get on a mound. And I know Owen and Mason have been throwing great their first couple times out, and it's been really exciting to watch just the progress that everyone's made over the summer. And it's really refreshing to see them go out and take advantage of how hard they worked this summer. It's been really, really exciting to see. Um, it, it was tough shutting down for my first professional summer, but at the end of the day, I kind of understood why they were doing it. So, um, 
other than that, I think we all three of us are just really excited to get on a mound again and just start playing again. I know we've we've all been talking, we've been itching to get back out, and I think this this event at Petco will be awesome and really special for us. Uh, Cole, I mean, most of Instructs is typically you know away from the spotlight. No one's paying attention. A lot of instruction. Uh, you know, much lower key. This is sort of an exclamation point to to to, to the end of uh, of the summer in a lot of ways. But what has the the instructional league experience been like for you? Uh, you know, given that it's really your first time being with everybody and getting to know all the player development staff, all the coaches, things things like that. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, just to get to know some other guys in the organization and not just everyone that was in Arizona for the summer. I think it's been really cool to be a part of the instructs and get a, get to know all the guys, especially like ones that you, you read about, like when you're drafted, read about who they have. And it's just exciting to meet all these people. So other than that, it's been a really great experience. Um, and I think that like, I'm just really fortunate to be in this position. Cole, typically I'll ask a guy after his first pro summer, you know, what he learned about pro ball. But since you haven't played in games, I'll I'll ask you the question in a slightly different fashion. What did you work on during the summer when you weren't, you know, pitching in game action? And going forward, and I know it's early, what do you think you need to work on the most in terms of refining your repertoire? Um, the most thing I worked on this summer, like in terms of pitching-wise and throwing-wise, is, is working on a changeup and having better feel for a changeup and uh, – in the instructs, my first couple outings has been mostly fastball changeups. So they want me to challenge myself and throw a changeup in certain counts in awkward situations just to be comfortable, more comfortable with it. So I think once I'm going to improve the changeup, then that's going to be uh, really exciting. And, it, and it's coming along. It's, it's been feeling a lot better. It has some, has some movement, has good speed difference. So it's, it's been really exciting. Uh, one more for you, Cole. Then we're going to get to our fastball segment. We get we got some rapid fire type questions. I just want to know you were on here in May on our podcast. I don't think we've ever had the same guest on this close together. Um, how does this version of the Pipeline podcast compare to your time on here in May? <laughs> uh, it's it's been good. Uh, I think it's a lot. It's more settling knowing that I was actually picked instead of wondering when I was going to get picked in May. So that, other than that, it's been it's been awesome. And I I am really thankful that you guys would like to have me on again. All right, here's the fastball questions, uh, which we weren't doing back then. So this is new for you. Basically, they're kind of multiple choice type, quick questions, and uh, you just give your answers. Uh, number one, name one hitter from your draft class and one current major leaguer that you want to face on the mound. Um, I think. The major leaguer would definitely be Mike Trout, just because he's he's the best in the game, and I'd like to challenge myself and see see what I could do. Then, one hitter from my draft class would be uh, probably just going back to it, Tristan Costas, just because we faced each other a couple times over the summer, and just to see like since he's been working in, uh, for his first pro season, and I've been working for mine, just to see how much we both have grown and see the outcome. All right, next question. Fighting Irish, Bulldogs, or Horned Frogs? In uh, terms of baseball-wise, I think TCU would be my, my better choice just because of the last recent, most recent commitment. <laughs> um, in terms of football, probably Notre Dame just because of the history. 
And obviously, and we need to clarify, have, Tim. That's the Mississippi State Bulldogs, not my Georgia Bulldogs. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And, and, <laughs> and obviously, you have a connection with all three of those schools, having committed at some point, even though you didn't attend any of them uh, now in pro ball. But uh, final question for you: California Dreaming by the Mamas and Papas or Rocky Mountain High by John Denver? Preferred song. California Dreaming. All right, and that's Definitely. where you, of course, were your senior year of high school in California after growing up in Colorado. Good stuff, Cole. Good luck tonight in the Don Welke Classic, and thanks for coming on the podcast again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, thanks, that Cole. was Cole Wynn. Right. He was on in May before the draft. He said this was a much more comfortable podcast because he was indeed drafted. 15th overall by the Texas Rangers. Um, it is interesting, guys. I wanted to get your take on the Rangers' approach to these uh, high school pitchers when they take them, and they basically say, you're not pitching in games this summer. We just drafted you, but we're going to ease you into the program. Um, that's kind of a rare thing, right, Jim? That's not a, the norm in baseball these days. No, I mean, I think everybody kind of has different approaches. You know, some teams are more aggressive than others, and, and this is new. Um, and when I spoke to Jace Tingler, as I alluded to when we were talking to Cole, the, the, you know, he was quick to say, look, we're not claiming we have all the answers, but, you know, they, like everybody else, is trying to figure out a way to keep pitchers healthy. And, you know, these guys all pitched. You know, none of, I don't think any of these guys were overworked in the spring, but they all pitched, you know, full high school seasons in warm weather areas. Um and going out, and, and you know, you, you shut down before the draft. You know, in most cases, if you're a high school pitcher, unless your team goes deep in your state playoffs, and then you want, you know, you have to get the guys ramped back up. And I think the Rangers just thought that it made more sense. You know, they got a lot of hope invested in these guys to, you know, rather than ramp them back up to throw a few innings, why don't we just kind of take a educational approach and let these guys get used to the organization, uh, used to, you know, our, our shoulder program, our throwing program, that type of thing. And then we'll let them throw a few innings in the instructional league rather than, than trying to ramp them back up. But it's, it's, I just think it's another way that they're trying to figure out how to keep guys healthy. I mean, when I, I, you know, I think the Rays you know, have a history of generally moving along with their high school pitchers slowly. I don't know if that necessarily means not pitching them their first pro summer, um, but oftentimes it seems like the Rays, I don't know why they stick in my mind, well, you have to let their high school guys pitch some rookie ball their first summer and then keep them in short season ball the second summer. Um, but, you know, I mean, nobody seems to have an answer, and so the Rangers are just going to be cautious because cause this group, you know, I do our Rangers top 30, um, and, I, you know, Cole Wynn was in Johnson's half of the draft, but obviously I was familiar with him in some of the underarm game. And Owen White, I thought, was one of the more projectable athletic pitchers in the draft, even if his name wasn't bandied around in first-round conversations. But but that's a pretty interesting pitching group, and the Rangers are very high on all three of those guys. So they're going to do everything they can to try to keep them healthy. Yeah, and you look at, you know, the previous year, they they took uh, you know, Hounds Kraus in, in the second round in, in, in 2017, and he did pitch over the summer, although not a lot, just in, in the Arizona League, 20 innings, and uh, then they held them back uh, in short season balls uh, in the Northwest League, but he pitched his way uh, up to full season ball, and he finished in full season ball. So it, I think it was sort of a, a nice measured approach, you know, with uh, you know, they've maybe taken it a step further, and it might have had more to do with when when Wynn had stopped pitching compared to Kraus last year. I don't I don't know the particulars, uh, but uh, you know, even with with Kraus, he was on a really tight leash this year, um, only threw uh, not quite 55 innings combined with whatever he threw and extended. Uh, so yeah, they're taking a very 
Um, I don't even want to call it conservative because he still got to full season ball in his first year, a, a, a measured approach to what they're doing with, uh, with, with high school pitching. Jim, I mentioned the Don Welke Classic. That's what Colwyn's playing in tonight. It's an annual event by the Padres and their Instructs team versus another team, but that's a new name. Do you want to talk a little bit about Don Welke and, and why this game is now named after him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really appropriate because Don Welke meant a lot to both the Padres and the Rangers. He was in baseball for more than five decades, a scout, you know, one of the, the probably better-known scouts within the industry, a lot of success when he was in Toronto. He helped sign guys like John Olrud and Dave Steeb. Um, very, you know, went to the Dodgers for a while, helped kind of rebuild them back up. Uh, with the Rangers, he went. Uh, he helped them reach consecutive World Series. He, he was directly involved in, in signings of players such as Jerickson Profar and Elvis Andrews and Adrian Pel- Beltre, um, and was really a mentor to AJ Preller. And that's why when AJ went to the, the Padres to become GM. The Rangers knew what Don meant to AJ. They'd also worked together in the Dodgers, and they were just two, you know, very, you know, guys who kind of bled baseball. Were twenty four seven baseball guys, and and the Rangers understood that relationship and very graciously let Don basically asked him, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go with AJ, or you could stay here? And he went with AJ and was helping AJ rebuild the Padres. So he, you know, very talented scout. Don Wilkie was very uh, beloved scout, and he'll be missed. And uh, you know, I think it's only appropriate. I mean, he meant so much to the Padres and the Rangers that uh, it's just a very fitting tribute to the guy that, that you named that game after Don Wilkie. All right. Well, we mentioned the 2019 draft, and and the reason I want to talk about that with you guys is because the top two picks in next June's draft are set. The Orioles will pick number one. Kansas City Royals will pick number two. Really tough 2018 for the Orioles, and the Royals have have obviously, after um, rising to, to great championship heights, have now fallen back off, and it's time to rebuild things up again. So when you look at those teams, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Um, we've talked about Bobby Witt Jr. He's still the guy, right? I mean, if the Orioles were picking tomorrow, you would think Bobby Witt Jr. would be the guy. Uh, sure. I right. mean, it's September. I mean, he's definitely up there. Uh, I don't know that he is 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 is, is the slam dunk. Um, and it's one of those instances where uh, there's already a little prospect fatigue because he's been on the national map for such a long time, and uh, he his tools were always good. He didn't wow people performance wise. Uh, it didn't concern anybody his makeup is off the charts i mean all those things are really good so he's definitely out there i think there are a couple of the you know the the college players uh who will be in, in that conversation when when all is said and done like an adley rushman uh they wanted to go that route and it's interesting to see you know those those two teams uh because and, and jimmy tend to have much better institutional memory with drafts than i do but when you're talking about the tops of the drafts these teams had been, you know, in the tops of the draft at, at different times. Uh, you know, the Royals knew that they were sort of cycling out of the, that when they went all in to win. They, they, they knew this was coming. But when they picked at the top of the draft, um, you know, maybe Luke Hochaver at number one wasn't the, 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 the best pick, but he did make it to the big leagues. But they also got Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis, uh, and they were cornerstones uh, and Alex Gordon, if you go you go back a little further, they were cornerstones to the, the, the team that was so successful. The Orioles, uh, and it's not always been the same management team, to be fair, have not always done such a great job uh, when they've had picks uh, at the top of the draft, uh, you know, with a, a number of 
uh, arms getting hurt and, and guys not making it and, and, and things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see uh, in whatever order they finish, one, two, uh, you know, how they approach uh, making sure that they, uh, they don't miss on, that, on, on their first pick in 2019. Yeah, it's a really unusual year because you know we we talked about in the past. You know, last year's the number one pick. The race literally came down to the final swing of the year for the Giants. Pablo Sandoval, who who should have known better, or I'm I'm joking, hit a walk off home run that knocked the Giants out of the number one pick and gave it to the Tigers. Although as happy as the Tigers are with Casey Mize, the Giants are, are also equally happy with Joey Bart. So it worked out. I you know, I don't have access, so I didn't do the research. But it was crazy this year. The Orioles were were so bad that they clinched the number one pick with nine games remaining, which is hard to do, considering that the team that's picking second, the Royals, is also equally bad, that they clinched the number two pick with eight days remaining in the season. Um, so it's just kind of unusual how you had two teams that were that kind of far away from the rest of the pack. And you talked about the checkered Orioles history, Jonathan. You know, they had, it's, you know, they've had some recent success, but you go back, I mean, the last time they picked in the top five, they did it six years in a row. Um, and it was kind of up and down. They went from Matt Wieters in 2007 to taking Brian Mattis over Buster Posey in 2008, the infamous Matt Hobgood pick in 2009. Then they come back and get Manny Machado in 2010, Dylan Bundy 2011, Kevin Gossman 2012. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Up and and I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, I, the top picks, you know, right now it's probably Adley Rutschman on the college side, Bobby Witt on the, on the high school side, but so much can change between now and June that uh, it'll be interesting. I know you and I usually are are, are, are forced against our will to do uh, a, a projected uh, top ten picks in December, which is way too early. And, and my guess is we will probably go Rutschman-Witt or Witt-Rutschman, 1-2-2-1 one, two, two, one in some order. It seems like, Jonathan, there's usually at this time of year, you, there's a hitter or two and then a number of pitchers that you're talking about, and, and it maybe comes down to the team and which side of the things they like to go to, hitting or pitching. But right now, you look at this, and and through when we started discussing the 2019 draft, which I guess was like the day after the 2018 draft, um, a pitcher has not really ever entered that discussion as, as number one. Is there a guy out there that could rise to that, do you think? Always, um, you know, there, it, there, there's always the the the, the chance uh, of that happening. Um, you know, whether it does or not, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, you know, there there are some good arms. You know, and we'll have to kind of wait and see uh, if any of them kind of step up, uh, especially on the college side. I, you know, I I tend to shy away from. Um, sort of projecting a high school guy to go unless he's clearly the top talent. I mean, we've had the, the, those guys be number one, say, on our talent board, but we don't necessarily think they're going to go number one, you know, Jay Groom and, and Hunter Green. Um, you know, so some of the college guys, if, if you know, Graham Stinson or uh, Zach Thompson, uh, he's from Duke, Zach Thompson from Kentucky, Everyone likes Nick Lodolo from TCU, although he's been up and down. Right? If they come out in the spring and are and are lights out, uh, some of those college arms I think could kind of jump to the to the fore and, and you know enter into that conversation. And also, I mean, a guy who'll be interesting who's kind of in between 
I mean, he's a junior college guy, Carter Stewart. You know, if, if he's healthy, I mean, this is a guy who went eighth overall as a high school pick and didn't sign with the Braves this year. You know, Carter Stewart, you know, if he has a good year and he's healthy, you know, the Braves have some questions about his wrist. If he's healthy at Eastern Florida State, J.C., then, you know, he could factor in very high in the draft as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one, certainly. All right, so the playoffs are about ready to get going. The American League pretty much set. Um, and then in the National League, obviously, still a lot to decide. But we're going to look ahead to the postseason from a rookie standpoint and which players everybody gets to pick one player they think is going to stand out and shine. In Now, we could have all, in, in October, we could have all gone with Ronald Acuna. That wouldn't be fair. So I made you guys submit your picks so that we could avoid uh, three Ronald Acuna picks. Um, so that being said, Jonathan, who you got? <laughs> Um, Ronald Acuna. <laughs> it's like you had the first Making me pick look in like the draft. Terrible. Like I'm going to be, but Jonathan, you take the obvious guy. Well, you you responded to the email quicker, so you win. That's true. Um, you know, I mean, I think the, you know, the biggest surprise is that we're talking about him as a rookie in the postseason. You know, I don't know that we any of us thought that the uh, the Braves would uh, you know would be where they are this quickly. Um, we knew that Acuna was going to be up. We knew he was going to make some kind of impact. Uh, you know, for me, he is uh, the clear National League Rookie of the Year. I mean, there are other guys who have had good years. Uh, but then you look ahead, to it's, you know, his impact in, in the postseason, he's going to be leading off for a playoff team at his age in a, in a year where he's got, you know, as we record this, 26 homers and 16 steals and a 919 ops, uh, and you know, with with good defense and the arm that we've talked about, all the tools and they've played. Um, so uh, it is going to be very exciting to see what he does, you know, on the on, on an even bigger stage, uh, you know, of the postseason after having you know what's been a really really successful. Uh, rookie campaign since he got called up. A lot of times when you talk about rookies in the postseason, it's oh, this team could u- really use a lift from from a rookie like this, or or a guy steps up and really gives his team. The Braves they need Ronald Acuna to be big if this team's going to advance in the postseason. He needs to be a key guy. Um, Dansby Swanson with the injury right now, a little um, cloudiness as to to how healthy he's going to be if he's going to be able to play. But Acuna definitely needs to continue to be the man if this Braves team is going to advance in October. All right, Jim, your turn. Well, first, I just want to say that Juan Soto is outraged yeah. that Jonathan called Acuna clearly the National League Rookie of the Year. He believes he belongs in that discussion. But, um, yes, I mean, you know, Acuna is the most obvious guy. But, but, you know, I mean, the seasons he and Soto have had have kind of eclipsed the fact, and I think Shohei Atani too, the Glaber Torres has had an extraordinary rookie season for the Yankees. He's got 23 homers in 119 games. There have only been two middle infielders in baseball history, age 21 or younger, like Glaber Torres, to hit that many home runs in a season. And that's Alex Rodriguez and Cal Ripken Jr. Um, he's learned second base kind of on the fly. He played there in the past, but he played more shortstop. Um, and I think he's a guy who can play a key role for the Yankees. I, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. I, I don't remember a year where both leagues seem so balanced. I mean, you could make an argument, I think, that the five best teams in baseball might all be in the American League, and I don't think there's an easy team in the bunch. My, my, my son, who's a big Astros fan, was, 
was was texting about how the Red Sox might have a much tougher matchup, and I was telling him, don't don't sleep on the Indians. The Indians have a great team too. They they just don't have a lot of wins. And then the National League, I mean, we still have to figure out who gets in, but you have. You know, I don't know if any of those teams is clearly the favorite. Like, you know, the Cubs, I guess, as of now, are the number one seed. But I mean, I think whoever the second wild card team is, you know, might have just a good chance to get the World Series as the as the Cubs. So I think it should be a great playoff, and it'll be interesting, you know, to watch Acuna and Torres and some of the other rookies show us what they can do. Yeah, and it's interesting with Torres because living in New York, and and you listen to the local. Um, you know, writers and, and broadcasters. And Torres is in a lot of ways, been overshadowed this season at times by his teammate and fellow rookie Miguel Andujar. Um, for whatever reason, Andujar has had a few bigger moments at times when he's come through with clutch homers, and he's kind of gotten the nod. Obviously, they're a great duo, and they're both going to be playing there in the Bronx for a long time. But to have both of those guys is pretty special for the Yankees. Um, I will go with a pitcher, um, and I'm going to, way on the fact that the Dodgers are going to somehow this week find their way into the playoffs. Um, otherwise, my pick is worthless. But I'm going to go with Walker Bueller. He's been so good here this year. Um, and he's not just going to be a bullpen weapon for the Dodgers. He's found his way into that that postseason rotation, I think, with Kershaw. Ryu's been really good lately. He'll be there, too. But I think um, Walker Bueller and what he's done, they've said that the innings won't be an issue. He'll be able to go out there and start in the postseason. So I will go with Walker Bueller um, just to give us a pitcher as well. Um, they only get to contribute maybe once or twice per series, but he will be big if the Dodgers are going to get things going in advance here. All right, last topic for today, and it ties in with um, Ronald Acuna and the Atlanta Braves. Jonathan, you wrote a story on 2019. Who is the 2019 Braves, most likely teams to kind of come out of nowhere. Now, we knew the Braves were getting better. We knew they had all this young talent. Um, I think it feels like they're a year ahead of time, that 2019 should have been the year maybe that the Braves got things going, but they did it this year. So when you look to next year, Jonathan, you wrote the story. You can go first. Um, who's who's a team that could surprise us and find their way into the postseason next year? Yeah, I mean, anyone who you know, pays attention to the stuff we do and our farm system rankings, it shouldn't surprise people that it's the San Diego Padres. And yeah, and, and there is that caveat that, I mean, they, they could take a large step forward and not, you know, win the NL West. And it doesn't mean that it's a, a failure. If it, if one of these teams uh, ends up being say the Phillies of 2019, that's still a step in, in, in the right direction from, uh, from where they are. The Padres back to back 90 plus lost seasons, but, you know, quickly sort of anecdotally, I remember seeing the Padres uh, when they were in town here in Pittsburgh and they were not, uh, and then, and then, you know, on TV here and there, they, they were not these, uh, this sort of pushover helplessly lost team. They were just young and they were uh, continually bringing up more young players, especially uh, on the mound, uh, Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese uh, established themselves this year. Uh, Framiel Reyes and Christian Villanueva in the lineup, uh, you know, have been uh, have been good. Uh, so, you know, and then you know Francisco Mejia, who they got in trade, and Luis Arias uh, made it up in September. They're going to play huge roles in whatever turnaround there's going to be, whether it's immediately in 2019 or in 2020. And then there's a lot coming behind. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, you know, I don't want to say he's the next Ronald Acuna, uh, 
but he is the next young, you know, super young phenom. I think who is going to impact the National League for sure. Uh, they've got some other guys who are going to help out, and then and then they've got pitching, which is always you know the important thing. One of the things that uh, as great as Acuna has been is that a lot of these young pitchers at various times have come and helped bolster uh, the Braves' pitching staff. Mike Soroka until he unfortunately had uh, shoulder issues. Uh, Tuki Toussaint really put things together and and has made a huge contribution, uh, especially in the second half. So uh, the Padres have guys like that, and, and there's a bunch. Uh, Chris Paddock, Michelle Baez, Logan Allen, Cal Quantrill. Um, these are all guys that at least touch double-A or higher this year, so I could see them taking that next step and and helping out either at the beginning of 2019, mid-season 2019, but being that next wave of pitching that I think is – uh, what really helps these teams turn things around from a, a subpar year to a, a, a postseason year like the like the Braves and, and the Oakland A's did this year. It does seem like the Padres would be like the Braves in that it, it feels like 2020 makes more sense. So if it was 2019, it would kind of be a year ahead of time, like 2018 here with the Braves. Jim, is there another team that you think, based on the young talent, could really take a jump next year? Yeah, I mean, and I think that the thing is, I mean, and I said this, although I didn't specify the teams. You always the teams with these great young farm systems. You can go back to the the Astros and Cubs back in 2015, or even the Brewers last year when they burst in contention. A lot of times they do arrive a year ahead of expected. So Jonathan mentioned five teams in this story, and I'll bet you one of those teams, even though they've all had rough years this year, makes the playoffs next year. You know, pinpointing which team that is is tough. But it just seems like it happens that way. And, and I think the White Sox, you know, Johnson, if I'd written the story, I also would have gone with the Padres number one because I think they have the best farm system in baseball. And that division's a little up for grabs. And I think the White Sox might have the second best farm system in baseball. And there's not a lot of depth in AL Central. So I would go with the White Sox. Now, I mean, look, they got a bunch of holes to fill. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for encouraging signs, you know, Carlos Rodon looked really good down the stretch. Lucas Giolito looked good again, although he's been so up and down. Reynaldo Lopez had a really strong finish to the season. So maybe there's the core of your rotation right there. You know, Eloy Jimenez is going to be up this year or, or next year uh, with the White Sox, uh, you know, filling in, you know, and adding a big bat to the lineup. You know, Tim Anderson took some steps forward. They've got, you know, the, the bulk of their lineup, they, they do need more on base percentage. Our guys who are 25, 26 are on the younger side and can continue, hopefully, to get better a little bit. So I, I think, you know, again, if I had to bet, I would bet the White Sox are a little more looking at 2020 and beyond. But you see this all the time, and maybe Dylan Cease makes a big jump to the big leagues after he had a, a huge season. He was our MLB pipeline pitching prospect of the year. Um, you know, and maybe they have a couple surprises. But, but you know, they, they, you can't go wrong, you know, it's picking teams with great farm systems to maybe surprise you a year ahead of schedule in the big leagues. Check out that story on MLB Pipeline and all the other stories. You guys have a ton of Arizona Fall League stuff on the uh, the docket coming up. You'll both make, be making trips out to Arizona for that as well. So lots of good stuff coming on Pipeline and on this podcast as well. That's going to do it for this edition. We want to thank Cole Wynn for joining us again two times in one year. Thanks, Cole. Great stuff. And then for Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.